Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Came across this piece over at the CarolinaJournal.com. Mary Summa has a piece called Some North Carolina School Districts Are Resisting Implementing the Parents' Bill of Rights. Mary Summa is the uh, general counsel for the North Carolina Values Coalition. So this was like an op-ed that they published. Across the state, county by county, school boards are grappling with how to comply with the new Parents' Bill of Rights, Senate Bill 49. Uh, Charlotte Mecklenburg, to their credit, CMS, they did their policy cleanup on this uh, very early on. Um, some other school districts, uh, not so much. The Parents' Bill of Rights was passed to spell out all of the rights that parents have with regard to schools and healthcare decision-making. Right? It also contains provisions to stop the indoctrination of young children, she says, with LGBTQ ideology by schools and to stop schools from keeping important medical information from parents, like a child's desire to transition to another gender. Some boards have complied. Others are trying hard, but they haven't reached the goal yet. And some are defiant. I kind of expected CMS to be one of the defiant ones, but they're not. I am not surprised to find out Buncombe County is one of the defiant ones. Not surprised at all. Did you know, by the way, the term bunk comes from Buncombe County? Did you know that? There, Yeah, there was a congressman, I forget his name, Felix, I think, or something, or I don't remember. It doesn't matter. He would go. He would get onto the floor of the Capitol in D.C., and he would tell all of these really long stories that were not true. <laughs> and he would just make up stuff and pontificate or whatever. And so they started, and they said, oh, here's so-and-so from Buncombe. Oh, here's some more Buncombe. Here's some more Buncombe. That was it, and that's where it comes from. And then it was shortened to bunk. A little piece of North Carolina history for you. Anyway, bunk um, is uh, uh, resisting. Parents pointed out at a recent school board meeting uh, that the proposed policy that the Buncombe School Board is looking to adopt is actually not compliant with the law, particularly the part about notifying parents if their kid wants to socially transition is what's the is what they call it which is where they uh they start going by a different name uh or uh, they change their pronouns right and, and they start having everybody refer to them by different pronouns that's called social transition and so the kids get to try this stuff out at the school and the school goes along with it they reinforce it they validate it they treat it like it's fine and they never tell the parents and so now that's you're not allowed to do that anymore. 
if the kid is wanting to socially transition, that is, as as the the people at the lefties have been telling us, right, that this is a medical thing, you don't get to withhold medical information from parents simply because it happened at the school. If if it's any other kind of, you know, if your kid is experiencing any kind of other medical issue, you tell the parents that. The parent needs to know that. And what do we hear? That, oh, well, if we tell the parents, then the parents are going to abuse them. So therefore, you never tell any parent because you never know if the parent's going to abuse them or not, right? So it's better safe than sorry if it saves just one kid. Of course, that rationale never applies in the inverse, right? If telling the parents could actually prevent the kid from going down a path that they end up regretting because they make life-altering changes, that sort of thing, which, by the way, like the rapid onset gender dysphoria, like that that goes away. That does. Like, yeah. Anyway, um, this is about the policy and about whether or not you have to tell the parents. In Buncombe County, um, they were not cool with this. Uh, the provision of the new parents' bill of rights prevents secret transitioning at schools facilitated by sympathetic teachers or faculty members. But Senate Bill 49 requires that prior to a change in pronoun or name in in the school records, by school personnel, parents are supposed to be notified, period. Buncombe County's policy wraps it up in a cloak of concern for student safety, so they gutted that requirement. They... What they said, their proposed policy says that parents are called, but only after the principal or a designated person speaks to the student to ascertain any concerns, and that they will then address this on a case-by-case basis, trying to balance the student's request with the requirements of state and federal law, and consult with their director of student services on how to proceed. Those are social workers. So in effect, Buncombe County, their policy allows the school to hide name changes, pronoun changes. You can hide those from parents if the school person thinks that on balance, it's best to keep the secret at school, which that's not what the law says. Right, the law says no more secret transitioning, and you got to involve the parents in medical decisions like transitioning to another sex. I would say opposite sex, but I'm not sure everybody's in agreement that there are actually two sexes. So, another sex. You're supposed to tell the parent. That's what the law says. Got to tell the parent. And Buncombe County wants to put in between the parent... And the students and in between the parent and the school personnel or the teacher, right, they're putting a social worker in there or a principal, right? So the, if the kid is wanting to socially transition at school, all they have to do in Buncombe County is tell the, the school person, uh, I, can't, uh, I, I can't have you tell my parents because then they'll abuse me. And then the school personnel has to say, okay, you're going to get abused, so we'll keep it all a secret. So guess what every kid is going to tell every person at the school, right? <laughs> of course, they, because that's, your, that's the way to do it. And then no parent is ever notified, and the you know people are in violation of the law. Also not a surprise, Orange County schools, right? Orange County up in uh, what, Chapel Hill area, right? Because don't they, I think Chapel Hill, they still have their own school district. 
They don't, I don't think they've incorporated or merged into the county school district because as all good liberals, you know, they want to keep their own little Chapel Hill school district and they don't want to be part of the, you know, gen pop. Um, Anyway, uh, Orange County took it a step further. Uh, They're making the director of student services, in other words, the social workers, uh, uh, mandatory notification. They're going to put that person in the place to mandate. So what happens then is that now you've got parents that are now getting put in front of DSS, right? The director of student services, social workers. So now you're in. Now you've engaged county government social workers, DSS, and that is kind of just, I don't know, a little bit, maybe just a little bit threatening to the parents, right? Because now you risk losing your child to the government. They could take your kid, right? That's what, and that's what DSS does. They can take kids. That's the power of the state, right? The threat of notifying social services, just the threat of it alone, right, makes you more compliant. So, that's how a couple of the school districts in North Carolina are treating it. Oh, uh, in Iowa, uh, they're going in a bit of a different direction. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at CarolinaReadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at CarolinaReadiness.com veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out iowa's board of regents voted to scale back the state university's systems diversity equity and inclusion programs otherwise known as the dei i still think we should rename these things to diversity inclusion and equity so we can call them the die programs The vote came after the governor of Iowa, Kim Reynolds, signed a bill back in June establishing a Board of Regents Commission to review the DEI activities and recommend necessary changes. That student group, or study group rather, uh, met over the course of the summer and emerged with a report containing 10 recommendations that the broader board approved. The changes include eliminating university-wide DEI functions that are not necessary for compliance or accreditation. Notably, the steps that the Board of Regents have adopted also include ensuring that employees, students, applicants, campus visitors, that they are not required to submit DEI statements or be evaluated based on participation in DEI initiatives unless the position is one required for DEI-related compliance or accreditation. So if the, I guess if the larger systems go completely DEI crazy, then you have to have somebody on staff or else you lose accreditation. Then I guess you would have to, you'd have to have somebody there. But like these DEI programs, uh, they've infected like all of the departments. There are people, uh, it's been a huge explosion in the, um, uh, the personnel costs for schools, for universities, the amount of money being pumped into these types of positions. 
It's, it's astounding. Uh, the new rules also prohibit Iowa's public universities from requiring employees, students, applicants, or even campus visitors to provide their preferred pronouns. So you can't make people do it. So you're not going to hand them the little uh, name tags, you know, put your name on there, Pete, and then you have to write down he, him underneath. <laughs> uh, so that's what Iowa is doing. Um, up in New York, uh, they're apparently just going to give up on uh, on high school education, I think. I think that's where this is headed. Um, there was an advisory group for New York's education department. They've been under pressure to fix slumping graduation rates at their public schools. And so uh, they proposed, no, I mean, no, they're not improving the education of the kids. That No, 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 no. Um, they're, they're proposing making the regents' exams um, optional. I got a regents' diploma from New York schools. So New York has its regents, right, which the state has required since 1876 for a high school diploma. Right now, there were you could get a local degree. Like back when I was growing up, back in my day, we would no, we had there were three that we we had tracked kids, students. We had tracks. We had first track, second track, third track. First track was for the really really smart people, right? Second track was for like the the vast majority of students in the middle of the bell curve, and then third track were for people that needed extra help, and. Uh, you know, when you get into the high school uh, uh, setting, then the first track becomes, uh, they would call it, you know, honors, and then regents, and local. Those are the three different diplomas. You get, a, you know, an honors degree, you got a regents degree, or you got a local degree. Those are your, uh, those are the options. And um, you, in order to get the honors, you had to have all your classes in honors. So, like, I took some AP classes, but I, I wasn't enrolled in all AP classes, so I got the Regents Diploma. Even though I did have some honors classes, I did not have all of it. So that's how they did it. But we were in tracking uh, mode at that time. And then somewhere along the line, that became offensive, and you're not allowed to track the kids, although I kind of think they kind of still do just a little bit, right? So no more tracking. And so everybody's in the same classes together, supposedly, Right. Which, of course, means that kids that are, like, really smart and can run really fast, academically speaking, um, right, they want to they wanna work ahead, they want to be challenged more, but now you're in a class where you got teachers that are having to focus more on kids that are getting left behind, and so the kid that wants to do more cannot, right? They're getting, they're getting throttled back. It, it, right, this was the whole point of tracking in the first place was to get all of the kids that are smart about whatever you're teaching and you get them so they can keep going faster and they can go further, they can get more of an education. But the problem is the K-12 model, so here we are. So what New York State is going to do is rather than suffer through these uh, these low graduation rates, they're going to make the regents exams because like, you would have to pass, in New York you had to pass the class, and then you had to pass the final separately. So if you pass the class but fail the final, um, you did not get the degree. And you'd have to take summer school. If you failed the class, I don't even think you were allowed to sit for the final. 
So you got to pass them both. The recommendation now is, uh, according to the editors at National Review, they call it an insult to the intelligence of citizens. They're going to offer instead other options like capstone projects, presentations, or performance-based assessments instead of the instead of the Regents Diploma. Okay. Um, they called it a betrayal of New York parents and students and a depressing, if implicit, concession by the state that it is losing hope of educating a new generation of public school children to the standards of their predecessors. It is framed in the New York Times as New York falling in line with the rest of the country, where high school exit exams once prevailed but are now limited to New York, Massachusetts, and Florida. But... It is an understatement to say that the proposed alternatives to the Regents exam are less challenging and more malleable for teachers and administrators to game than a test in multiple choice and essay writing formats measuring core knowledge across a broad spectrum of topics. Right. This will allow them to push more kids through. And look at us. We have improving graduation rates now. Aren't we awesome? I have an email from Bill who says... Uh, I wish I I wish I told my teachers that if they gave me a bad grade, my parents would abuse me. I think what Buncombe County is doing is great. It would have saved me a lot of headaches growing up. My dad was a lifetime military man, and there was always the threat of military school if uh, if I had grades that weren't good enough. And that was abuse. And if I had known to tell the counselor that, I couldn't have ever gotten any bad grades. That's... Your logic is undeniable, Bill. Mm. Ah, Dean, great idea. Uh, maybe uh, New York State, instead of the Regents' diplomas, they could just give participation trophies. It's like you were here. You participated in some schooling at some point. Here is your trophy. The uh, National Review editors, uh, they say... Uh, Children of the ambitious, upwardly mobile, or rich will continue to take standardized tests to distinguish themselves from their competitors. So this, what they're talking about up in New York, is merely a shabby way for New York's education department to help clear the books of students whose educational experiences have not prepared them for life. Unstated, but no secret, is the disparate impact that this is going to have on black and hispanic students who are disproportionately likely to be given a diploma as a substitute for an education undertaught students are going to get handed a certificate and passed along to the workforce or the undergraduate system to go to college as somebody else's problem to fix this proposition signals that the highest educational priority for the state of New York is to mask the collapse of its standards. But, 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 cheer up. At least this will benefit the unionized teachers who prefer less scrutiny of what exactly their students are learning. So there is, a, there is an upside here. Will somebody please think of the union teachers? Then there's this story out of uh, Charlotte from the Charlotte Ledger by Tony Messia. For years, Charlotte has been home to the three largest high schools in the state, each with more than 3,000 students. Starting next year, they're going to shrink by hundreds of students 
And then the following year, they're going to slim down to under 3,000. They and other Mecklenburg high schools are probably going to stay that way. There's a construction of a new high school right in Ballantyne, Ballantyne Ridge High. Um, that opens next fall. And that's likely to spell an end to the days of Charlotte mega high schools. Not MAGA high schools. MEGA high schools. Smaller high schools are probably in Charlotte's future. The result of flat enrollment at CMS and the passage of the massive $2.5 billion bond referendum and a philosophy of CMS leaders that massive high schools are hard on students. They say huge schools shut out students from sports and other activities and are unwieldy to manage. Yes. The problem is the model. It always has been. Look, you want to have a massive mega high, right? Just like if you want to go to a mega church, right? Fine. You you can have that experience. You want to go to a very large university with, you know, a, a, a football program and a stadium that'll hold 100,000 people. You want that experience? You have the option to do that. But if you want a small school, smaller classes, right? You want a, a more individualized, personalized uh, educational experience, you should be able to have that too. And the best way to, to do that is vouchers. We do it in other th- we do it in other areas, right? We do it with food stamps. We do it with Medicare, Medicaid, right? You could, you take the voucher essentially to whatever doctor you want. We do it in all these other areas. I mean, it's 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 a very similar program to the student loans. I mean, you got to pay those back. They're not giving you the money, <laughs> right? But you got to pay them back. Um, and by the way, yes, the North Carolina legislature did pass the uh, the vouchers. Uh, for everybody now so and this i saw yesterday or today uh one of the teachers union leaders in north carolina uh just you know still hammering away on the vouchers and roy cooper in his last budget cut the program cut the voucher program like eliminated it completely he obviously his budget doesn't get passed because the legislature is controlled by uh, republicans but that's the democrat position on this and hopefully that the longer the voucher programs remain, the harder it gets to get rid of it, as with you know, as is the case with many government programs. Um, all right, back to the Charlotte Ledger piece. Uh, this is a quote from Dennis Lacaria, CMS's executive director of facilities planning and real estate. He said it's insane to make one human being the principal responsible for 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 kids as well as staff members and their families and everything that goes along with that. And you disenfranchise students because the school play only has so many parts, right? There are only so many actors that can take the stage in the school play. The baseball team only has so many players who can be on the field. Uh, there's no good rationale when you're talking about what's right for kids. State data show that the largest three schools in the state are Ardrey Kell at almost 3,600 students, Myers Park at 3,400, and South Mech at like 3,200. When Ballantyne Ridge opens, Myers Park and South Mech are expected to fall to about 2,800 students apiece, and then um, 
and Audrey Kell at about 2,500 students. Within a few years, the district's goal is to get them all into the range of between 2,000 to 2,500. The number of sites in Mecklenburg County that, that are available to build big high schools on with the athletic facilities, right? There's just not as much of that land left, too. And when you see the size of these campuses that are built, they're, they're massive. The district would like to move towards regional athletic facilities shared by multiple high schools. Well, that would be a smarter use of money, right? Especially like the football field. It's only used like, what, two days a week for the games. I mean, yes, they practice on them. True. But do you need the whole football field to practice? Do you need the whole basketball court? No, you can practice half-court stuff, right? Um, in 2020, the school board voted to downsize three high schools under construction, took it from 125 classrooms to 100. The new Palisades High in Steel Creek, the replacement of West Charlotte High, and the new South Charlotte High School, Valentine Ridge. Uh, these schools, they say these schools uh, are still going to accommodate like 2,500 students, but enrollment is below that number. Palisades only has 2,200 right now. West Charlotte's got 1,600. Valentine Ridge will open with like 1,700. So, I, I mean, I like the idea of going to these smaller schools. I went When I went to college, I went to a small college. Winthrop was a small school at that time. I don't know what their enrollment is now. I think it's grown. Um, but that's what, that was the experience I wanted. We did not have a football program. I did not require that as part of my educational experience. Right? That's that's what a voucherized system provides is choice. Uh, Dennis said uh, uh, this that was a Bernie pick uh, on the James Brown bumper tune. Nothing quite like a bumper with James Brown. Have mercy and get on the good foot. Gotta love the Godfather of Soul. He says uh, that was uh, that was a Bernie pick for the bumper tune. And uh, John Lee says, uh, good uh, good music. Have a wonderful Christmas vacation with your family, Pete. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Uh, I got another email from John about the uh, the best Christmas movies. That's the next hour. I will save your email for then. Uh, if you want to uh, email, it's Pete at the PeteCallanerShow.com. Or you can, of course, uh, hit me on Twitter at Pete Callender, uh or call 704-570-1110 or 1-800-WBT-1110. One last point here, or maybe not, uh, actually a couple things. Uh, so education was one of the big issues for Trisha Cotham, state lawmaker, ran as a Democrat, flipped parties, drew outrage. Um, and uh, now uh, we see uh, how they are coming for her in the primary, even though I think the district, uh, House District 105 in Southeast Charlotte, uh, it's it, it's going to be a Republican uh, it's leaning Republican. It's the way it's drawn now. So uh, she is probably positioned for a win. But uh, the Democrats have filed for uh, the primary and they got three different candidates that have filed down there. Yolanda Holmes. Uh, she finished second to Cotham. Uh, this was in 2022. Uh, so Cotham was the votainer in that race. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, OK. Um, also, Nicole Sidman. Um, she is apparently uh, Christy Clark's uh, former campaign manager. Christy Clark beat John Bradford, a Republican, in a state house race back in 2018. Uh, but now Christy Clark is up in Huntersville. Uh, and I just saw they're still doing these, um, these uh, they call them three-on-three -three meetings, where the city council meets with staff, but they don't have a full quorum. So they, they 
they cut their city council basically in half. So like three of the council members will meet with staff and then that allows them to skirt the uh, open meetings laws. I guess that's what you get when you have a, a full Democrat board up there now. Um, Terry Lands- Lansdell, a member of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Planning Commission uh, and an executive director of Bike Walk NC. Uh, those are the three Democrats running for uh, the nomination to run against Trisha Cotham in uh, the November election. Uh, District 105, that has uh, South Charlotte in it. It's got Matthews. It's got Mint Hill. And it went for Donald Trump um, and for my good friend Ray Cooper. So uh, we shall see. How that pans out, uh, the Democratic National Committee is reporting $20 million cash on hand. This is at the national level. That is the most it has ever had heading into an election year. Um, this according to The Hill uh, to, to, to the, in their filing with the Federal Election Commission. Um, at the same time, the Republican National Committee reported about $8 million cash on hand. Um, Oh, I'm sorry, 10 million cash on hand at the close of the month. Uh, the RNC only, this is, oh, so the Democrats say, well, the RNC only has itself to blame. Uh, the GOP lights money on fire, fighting among themselves. Democrats are united. We are only letting Biden on the ballot. Um, there's this also, though, there is, hang on a second, I pulled this link. Uh, somebody posted up the um, the RNC funding. Uh, do, 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 it's not good. Uh, it is not good. Republican National Committee cash on hand at the end of November. If you go back uh, six years, 2016, it had 20 million cash on hand. A year later, 39 or 40 million. 2018 had 27 million. 2019 had 63 million on hand. 2020 had 59 million. 2021, 65 million. 2022, down to 17 million. And this year, 10 million. It has cratered. It is really, really bad. Um, though I have no idea why. Um, let me see here. Uh, this is a fellow named uh, Josh Power, uh, who is a lawyer, um, conservative lawyer guy, and he says, I have given to the RNC in the past. Not anymore. Ronna McDaniel should be replaced, but she's being used as a scapegoat. This is an interesting theory used as a scapegoat by MAGA for all of the issues facing the GOP. All the losing since 2018, Ronald McDaniel. GOP in Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, Colorado, Pennsylvania, all going bankrupt, uh, Ronald McDaniel. RNC running uh, out of money and uh, donations, uh, Ronald McDaniel. Candidates losing winnable races, Ronna. Right? The problem is, he says, that MAGA and Trump are unpopular with the electorate. Rana's unpopular, too. But who whipped votes for her and demanded everybody fall in line to support her? Who's her biggest ally in the GOP? You know why she's not being replaced, right? The answer is Donald Trump. Um, MAGA wants Rana, so like Trump world, wants MAGA, oh, sorry, MAGA wants Rana gone, so uh, Rana to be fired, right? His supporters, Trump supporters want Rana gone. But there's no connection there between Rana and Trump that they're making, right? The one who puts her there, the one who keeps her there, just like they made no connection between uh, Kevin McCarthy and Donald Trump when they were calling for his head. Rana is just the latest scapegoat. 
I thought that was an interesting perspective. I had not heard that before. Uh, I'll keep an eye on that. Also, um, add impact politics. Add impact uh, with this uh, with this tweet earlier today that the pro Ron DeSantis group never back down is canceling all of its 2024 reservations in Iowa and New Hampshire, totaling about 2.5 million dollars. This is for ad camp uh, for uh, TV ads and stuff on the air. And everybody, of course, jumps on this. Oh, look at that. They're they're folding. They're they're going out. Well, actually, no, never back down. They're putting their money on the ground game, and they're relying on another organization, uh, Fight Right, to do the ads. So it's not quite as bad or good news as originally positive. 